In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It is always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. We are brought to you by Smiley One and Bryant, Northeast Ohio's premier heating and cooling service. Daryl, uh, the day after the 17, I'm sorry, 2017 win over the Chicago Bears, uh, City feeling pretty good about that win. Hey, it wasn't the prettiest of victories, but they now have nine wins. They are controlling their own destiny, and uh, hopefully if they can get a little bit healthier here, uh, we should have a confident finish to the end of the season. But uh, I think right now you just worry about what's next, and that's what's in front of you, and that's Houston. Daryl, what was the day after like uh, as far as uh, the Browns are concerned? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that they're going to get <laughs> much healthier because everyone that's hurt is on injured reserve and done for the season. So uh, I don't know, uh, you know, from that standpoint, uh, Kevin Stefanski didn't want to give any injury updates. He just said that uh, anyone that's uh, banged up is day-to-day. <laughs> we got the blanket day-to-day from him. But look, I mean, if the playoffs were to start today, uh, pretty much status quo. It's a Browns-Jaguars rematch on Super Bowl wildcard weekend in Jacksonville. The Jaguars right now are clinging to the lead in the AFC South uh, because they have the tie uh, in the division right now. So um, it's uh, they have the tie over the Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans. The Colts would be in. The Texans right now would be out, which really sets up a pretty important game for them. Uh, this weekend on their home field when they uh, host the Browns on Christmas Eve, that becomes almost a must win for the Houston Texans. Um, Whereas the Browns, uh, we'll see what the clinching scenarios look like. I think there's an outside shot. The Browns could be mentioned in a clinch scenario. It would have to, I'm guessing though, it would be a Browns win and a boatload of teams lose for them to be able to clinch on Christmas Eve, a playoff spot. But right now, only one team is in, and uh, that is the the Baltimore Ravens who maintain that two-game lead over the Browns in the AFC North. So it is an interesting scenario if the Browns, and I I, did, I worked this out on New York Times today, that um, and they have a really, really cool website where you can try to figure out the scenarios. But <clears throat> if for some reason over the next two weeks the Browns would win, beat Houston, and then beat the Jets, very, I mean, that's likable, right? I mean, you can, it's I'm not doable. taking any, it's doable. And the Ravens would fall to the Dolphins and the Niners, which is also doable. doable. Cincinnati then falls into the seventh spot if they pick up a one, I think if they just pick up one win over the next two weeks, when that would also boost the Browns to the two spot in the AFC, which would have Cincinnati coming back to Cleveland for a uh, playoff spot for the first week of the playoffs. But, I mean, that's a long way off. It was just kind of fun to see that today when I was going through the scenarios. It would be, I'm not going to lie. I was really rooting for Jacksonville hard <laughs> Sunday night. Oh, so was I. I mean, how mad could you be? I mean, first of all, they blow two field goals, and then they mismanage the clock at the end of the Oh, first man, half. Doug Peterson, I don't know what he was on, but you want to talk about a cluster you-know-what of game management in that first half? My goodness. And at the end of the half, how they just totally screwed that up. Like, it's okay, fine. You're going to run that quick snap to try and catch the Ravens sleeping, but you better score the touchdown there. How do you leave at least three points on the field like that? So, yeah, it, it was a disastrous half of game management for Doug Peterson uh, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. But, man, I was pulling for them hard. And uh, by halftime, I'm like, 
yeah, there ain't no way in hell Jacksonville's going to win this game because their coach keeps screwing things up. So it's Baltimore's going to go to 11 and five and hang on to that two game lead with three games to play uh, over the Browns. But the Browns are in really good shape right now. Um, that's that's what that Bears win did for them. And uh, it's like I said, it sets up a showdown in Houston. Uh, against the Texans, C.J. Stroud, as we have this discussion right now on a Monday afternoon, that's when we're recording this podcast, full disclosure there, um, that, uh, you know, uh, he remains in the concussion protocol, which would potentially mean that the Browns could play Case Keenum on Sunday in Houston. So we'll see, but um, there's a lot for Browns fan to feel really good about with this team. And I know we, we're going to get into it on this podcast, Andy, but I just, I've, I, I said this on the morning show. I, this team deserves fan support. This team deserves the respect of the fans. They've earned it. Um, you know, I understand Browns fan is uh, still dealing with the trauma of what this expansion era has been like. Um, but this is, this is a team to feel good about. They're easy to root for. You got good guys in that locker room. You got guys to play hard. They've had a boatload of injuries. It's incredible that they're in the position that they're in. Um, and it, it it just, I, I hope that Browns fans uh, can set aside the being jaded part of being a Browns fan for the next couple of weeks here and just really enjoy the end of this season and, uh, you know, hopefully them getting into the playoffs. Um, backtrack on the jaded part and just uh, why, why say that? Uh, have you not watched this franchise for the last three decades? <laughs> no, I mean, but to be jaded right now, maybe I just misunderstood. No, no, no. I, no what I mean uh, is uh, uh. it's just, you know, you're, you're, you're jaded because right. The, the other shoe always drops. The bottom always falls out. The Titanic right. hits the iceberg and sinks. Right. I mean, do you really think that the Titanic hit an iceberg? I've heard conspiracy theories on this lately too. Do we really think that it hit an iceberg? Yes. Didn't it break up from the middle? Because it went down from the head and snapped in half. I don't know. I've read some pretty interesting conspiracy theories. I, I am not going down the why the Titanic sank holes with you right now. I don't know. Maybe you can uh, get, you know, you, you're making the big bucks over there, Baskin. Maybe you can, yeah. you can, you yeah. can get on that Titan and head on down there. Yeah, with my free monster shirt on. Yeah, I'm a really I don't even the free I paid for the shirt. What am I talking about? You and Homer Simpson can go down on the Titan to check out the Titanic there. Don't and, uh, hope hope that works out for you. No, I don't know. Um, all right. So you know, I, I feel like you look back at the game and you, there's some it's a swagger. It's just something it's something about it. We had someone complaining about Newsom today and you know, going over the top. Uh, when he makes a play or all the defensive guys that go over the top after they make a play. And normally I would be one of those guys. I'd be kind of a hater about it. I'd be like, Oh man, can we act like we've been there before? I don't know at the fact that, do you remember when Schwartz was mad that it kind of got leaked out that he told him, he told his guys to celebrate after every play. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yes. I, I was in the room when he said it. <laughs> okay, good. I just, I mean, you learn a lot of things, so I'm not sure if you remember everything you hear. Um, I don't know. I kind of I'm glad that that came out because the fact that Schwartz wants them to do that and if they could get fined or get in trouble for not celebrating after a big play, then 
You know what? I don't have a problem with it anymore. I used to be can the ball back to the ref and let's go. I do think it's a, you know when you're down 17-7 and you're punting every time and um, you were maybe three feet away from a play where a receiver dropped the ball. I don't know if you need to celebrate at that point, but um, I, I'm kind of living with it. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm changing my paradigm. Yes. All right. Well, then you celebrate getting off the field. All right. Celebrate getting off and the field. And you're thanking the bear for dropping the ball, both literally and figuratively. But I mean, you know, you, you want to play air is. guitar after a guy drops the ball out of his hands at the end. Nah, knock yourself out. Well, I'll say this because uh, I, I remember going, uh, you know, leading up to the Greenbrier trip. I, I was very facetious in my thoughts of the necessity of of doing that moving training camp down there uh for nine days and it turns out kevin was right and i was wrong and i'm not afraid to admit that it's yeah, worth it. I, I can't tell you how many times players have talked about how much that trip how much the philadelphia trip meant to them as far as them uh, coming together, understanding that they're interdependent upon each other, that they're all in this thing together, that it's not about the individual thing, right? Uh, and and if you perform well individually within your role, that, that means the, the team is going to uh, perform well. Um, I, I think in this instance, Kevin was 100% right, and you're seeing the dividends of that pay off. Because what's happening, Andy, is there has been so many inflection moments in this season, whether it was Nick Chubb getting hurt, you know, and I, I remember the day after that. I mean, even just in the moment, being in that stadium when that injury occurred and the life that got sucked out of the team, right? Um, then it, when the Deshaun injury happens, uh, not, not the one that kept them out for a few weeks, but the, the season ender. And it's like, well, all right, now what are they going to do? And then Joe Flacco walks in the door. And they keep still losing guys. They lost both their starting safeties. You know, Juan Thornhill hopefully comes back from the calf, but Grant Delpit ain't coming back this year. Um, they have been able, because of the time spent together, because of the way the coaches have coached them schematically, that there is an inherent belief in each other. Like they don't change things up because a player got hurt and yeah, they do. They make minor tweaks or whatever, but you know, look, I remember in years past where a player goes out and they got to throw half of what they do out the window and, and redraw everything up. Right. Right. Well, you, you're not seeing that. They didn't have their two starting safeties yesterday. They still play man. They, they still did what they do. Right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And, and so, you know, while I, you know, joked about the uselessness and waste of time heading to West Virginia was going to be for the Browns and the waste of money, I am not, I'm not afraid to admit when I'm wrong. Uh, and I was wrong that you are seeing the benefits of that. Now, I don't know if you can do that every year and get the same results. Okay. Because I do kind of feel like you have to be fresh and do things unique and different, whatever. But man. Um, I, I do feel like that Kevin Stefanski's approach, he, cause here's the thing here. He hang on, saw, here, here, hang on, one well, hang on. Let me just real quick. Oh, okay. He, okay. He saw in years past that the team wasn't unified, that there was a lot of individualism within the locker room, not to say that there was bad apples in the locker room, but just the cohesion. 
was in the symmetry just was not there with the team. And so heading into this season, he decided to do something different to fix that. And so what have we seen this year? We have seen a team that's unified and cohesive. And as a result, in spite of the injuries and all the adversity and the problems and the deficits and everything else, they are producing positive results on the football field. So give Kevin Stefanski some credit there. And I guess a big dunce cap for me for laughing at him for thinking that Greenbrier would not work because it has worked. We don't have to give you one. You got one right behind you. Hey, it's always game day in Cleveland. Uh, When we come back, we'll talk about Joe Flacco. We'll talk about the fans and uh, uh, Miles Garrett. I want to talk about Miles Garrett and because the fact he didn't get held at all in that game. It's always game day in Cleveland. Hang tight. More for this. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Brought to you by Smiley One and Bryant Northeast Ohio's and Cleveland's too. Premier heating and cooling service. Daryl, what do you have for us here to start the second uh, chapter of today's podcast? Uh, mobile sports betting has been legal in Ohio. We are now entering the 12th month of legality. BetQL is here to help you make the most informed bets possible. Get all of today's winners by heading to BetQL.com or guess what? You can download the BetQL app. Claim your free three-day trial today. Head to BetQL.com slash news slash 92.3 The Fan where you can find a bunch of exclusive sportsbook offers. Daryl, I do find it absolutely fascinating. And then, you know, we talked about this for a little bit in the post game, but Miles Garrett and the Chicago Bears, they must really, 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 really get along. And that that Chicago Bears offensive line, one of the cleanest in the history of the NFL because they didn't hold Miles Garrett once in the entire game. Isn't that amazing? Wow. That must have cleaned up. They must have got scared by what Miles said the week before uh, about the refereeing because suddenly they totally 100% cleaned up their act. I'm, I'm, I mean, yes, I know Miles had 10 pressures, but they didn't have to hold once in the entire game. Bravo. Tip of the cap to the Bears. Um, so Pinocchio, um, <clears throat> I, uh, probably don't want to look at the cover photo on the station website right now for my brownie bites. Cause there's a well, big there's... old holding. There's a holding, but there's a photo of miles being Daryl. Daryl, the league did not see one hold in the entire game. Not. Zero. Well, you mean, yeah, if it's, it's bad. And, and look, uh, as Kevin Stefanski said on Monday, he's frustrated. Miles is frustrated. Um, it's four straight games. Now that miles Garrett has not had a sack. That, uh, is a first for Garrett. He's never gone this long in between sacks. And it was funny. I, I, it, since you bring this up, I have to read this. Cause someone, uh, uh, posted to me on, uh, on X today and was complaining about the fact that miles Garrett has not had a sack in four games and uh Brian Campbell uh um at BT Campbell 83 on X he goes uh I realize he gets held a lot but when is he going to record another sack what it's been four games in a row without an official sack to which I very politely responded reread your first sentence might explain the drought Exactly. I realize he gets held a lot, but where the hell are the sacks? Oh, I don't know. Maybe if he wasn't getting held, he'd have more sacks. Just a thought. 
Like it's unbelievable. I, it, it it is. And and look, I don't know. Maybe that was a a a bleep you to him because of what he said after the game, and then followed up with on Friday. Um, they did it. The commissioner was in the house. Um, look, here, here's the thing too. And I think we mentioned this on, um, uh, one of the podcasts last week that we did, Andy, here's how this typically works. I call it the bitch reel. I can say, I think I can say that on the, the podcast here, sure. we're not sure. on the air. Uh, I, I call it the bitch reel. And, and what it is, is that Kevin Stefanski or someone on his coaching staff or whatever, they put together the clips of plays that they want clarification from the league office on basically calls that did not go their way or did not get called. Right. Right. And they send that into the league office and the league office combs through it and they send back a response to the Browns on every play on every play. So <clears throat> this had been going, this, this has been going on for years and years, years. This isn't like something that's new, but right. this is the proper way that you bitch and complain to the league office and the, uh, about the officiating. Right. Because you're not supposed to do it in press conferences because you get fined, as Miles Garrett uh, got fined this past week. Right. So they have been doing this over and over and over again, and, and it's not producing the results, right? Nothing is changing. The flags aren't coming. So that's why Miles Garrett had what I like to call a Popeye moment. You just get so ticked off, you've had it, and you just you just let loose. I and am what he, I am. Yeah. And and he did. And because the proper channels of complaining to the league office were not working and not producing the results. And um, even Kevin Stefanski uh, said on Monday uh, on the, on the zoom about it, he, he basically said, Hey, um, you know, uh, I'm frustrated when he's getting held. And that's something we continue to talk to the officials about. And I understand that's a, you know, that's a tough gig, but I do think it's something we need to make sure that is addressed. And and he's a hundred percent right. So they the Browns have been trying to do it the right way with with the league office by doing it behind the scenes by sending in the plays for clarification and all that. And you know Stefanski telling the officials going into the game, right? Hey, uh, you know, you know, watch what they're doing to ninety five. They're you know really going after him and holding on to him and things like that. <laughs> you can kind of keep on that. Uh, you know, keep an eye on that in today's game and things like that. Again, those are the proper ways of doing it. And the proper way isn't getting results. So there's no other recourse for them than to just go public. <laughs> and we saw that with Miles last week. Kevin Stefanski was very diplomatic about it uh, on Monday on Zoom. But it's going to get, I'm telling you, it's going to get louder and louder coming from the Browns out of Berea. Uh, the frustration with Miles Garrett, and he's not just being held. You know, they're grabbing his face mask. They're getting up around his throat area. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they're, you know, tripping him. They're, you know, so this this goes more than just there. They got him by the chest and they're steering, right. they're steering him or they're reaching, reaching around and, and, and tugging on him. So um, they've tried the proper channels. So they've what happens next? There's no... There's no recourse after this. The only thing you could do next is uh, you put egregious videos out on the, on the web. That's all right. you can do, right? Right. I, I mean, under an anonymous source, I guess. Uh, I don't know. How do you do that? Do you do that yourself? Look, I, I mean, think that's the next thing you do is you just you just tweet out uh, a, a reel of Miles getting held, 
Have well, they can't. The Browns. Oh, yeah, they can. You have your social team do it. Miles Garrett for defensive. Yeah, the team. Hang on. Here, here's okay. how I do it. If, if right. I was the social media manager for the Browns, here's how you, here's how you do this. Right. Miles Garrett for defensive player of the year, and it's all him being held. <laughs> but now you you do that because now you're not complaining on the play, but, but for, you know you're not criticizing anything. Right. You're just you're just posting videos of Miles Garrett pass rushing, right? And right. He's, Tackled and held and tripped and all in this that how you can't get fined for doing that. So I think that's what the Browns should do. The defensive player of the year highlight reel for Miles Garrett should be all the holding calls that the officials have missed. You're welcome. It would Rob. be funny. Yep, there you go. Daryl Ryder, social media manager of the year. All right, I want to talk about uh fans in the stands, and we're gonna do that when we come back here. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. It is always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I am Andy Baskin. We are brought to you by Smiley One and Bryant, Northeast Ohio's premier heating and cooling service, especially with all the snow falling here in Northeast Ohio right now. Uh, I hope you're warm. I'll just say that. Um, Daryl, so we're in the middle of our show today. Jeff's off this week. And uh, I just happened to mention, excuse me, <coughs> I happened to mention that I had some high school friends in. Uh, to watch the game. They were from all over. One was from Dallas. One was from Toledo. Um, one was from Pittsburgh. And we, we all went to Heights together. And they were sitting up in the 500s. And so I it, at the two-minute warning in the first half, I just started walking up there. By the way, that's it's a haul. Credit to you. Yes, it is. <laughs> Anybody that sits in the 500s, I tip my cap to you if you're not taking um, the escalator up or if you're not taking elevators up to the 500s. I, I congratulate you on your good health and exercise. And then as I ran into my other 50-plus buddies that were up in the 500s, um, we were just talking, and, you know, it was a good time. And the 500s is a really great place. I, I just – I love the energy up there. I got to be honest. The fans up there are diehard fans, and it's a blast. So I was up there for a little while watching the game from there, and then Poobah comes flying into the studio. Typical Poobah. Oh, let's make a big deal out of something that's not really a big deal. But he came out and he said – I don't know if you noticed, but there were a lot of empty seats there in the 500s. Were there more orange people wearing all orange up there that we couldn't see them when they were camouflaged? And I was just like, I'm like, Poobah, just stop. This isn't York. Can you chill out a little bit? And so he did bring up an interesting point. This team has one loss at home all season because their quarterback, because we found out who the quarterback was like five minutes before the game against the Ravens. I might have still lost that game, but. Does this team deserve a better crowd? And then I'm going to say another thing too, because for the empty seats that you see in the club level, and I'm not making ex excuses, but those people can easily walk back to the bar that's behind their seats and enjoy the game from back there and not be freezing and not get rained on. Also, there are other places in the stadium now that if you're in the 500s and maybe you just had it and you're too cold and you don't want to sit in your seat anymore, um, you can go watch the game from somewhere else inside the stadium and you're covered up. So, you know, maybe those seats are still paid for, but they're empty during the game. That said, there's one home game left. It's against the Jets. It's on Thursday night. I'm assuming that we think that place is going to be packed and and to the brim. I don't I haven't looked at the weather forecast for that game yet. It's cuz we're I should be able to get it. But I don't know, what do you think? Should the fans be criticized for this? Uh, well, I I did notice that there were um a lot of fans dressed as orange chairs uh, during uh, the game, mm -hmm. which is a little unusual. 
The other thing I've noticed is the Muni lot is not nearly as full as it used to be. That I noticed on the way into at the time that I'm there. Yeah. At well, the time that I, I mean, at 930 in the morning, because I usually I so for pregame, I do my 9 a.m. hit from home. And then as soon as I take off the headset, I grab my stuff, walk out the door, get down to the stadium. So I'm usually down by East 9th Street around 940. OK. And so I drive by the Muni lot on the shoreway there. And typically that Muni lot is packed to the gills. Okay. And I've noticed the last couple of home games that at that particular time, now I can't speak for anything after because when someone in the stadium, I have no idea what's going on in the Muni right. lot. But at Bad weather the last I, two games. So too, let's, I, let's not, let's there. I mean, the weather has empty. been very good. Last that year. Muni lot, 50% empty. At oh, see now. Okay. So I went by at, I was in, I, so I was there at not, I, I didn't think it was empty, Daryl. I thought it was. At yeah, it was, there was sections of the Muni lot that the back end where the tennis courts, where the tennis courts used to be, that was empty, but I didn't see. Yeah, I, I saw a lot, a lot of empty space. And then when you looked across the street at mm -hmm. where the, uh, Burke is Burke. and they have those lots there, again, saw a lot of available parking spaces. Now, weather, I'm sure, had something to do with it because, you know, who wants, and I want to make very clear, I'm a guy that sits in the press box for the game, so I am the last person to criticize, to not criticize, you know, I do not want to criticize a fan who has to, you know, sit out in the elements and in the rain and all that. There's a reason why that I, Daryl Ryder, am leading the build the damn dome brigade, okay? I, there, there's a reason that I am leading that charge, and I am still, I'm fight. I feel like I'm fighting an uphill battle, Baskin. Daryl, we would, if we had a if we had a dome, you wouldn't even have windows in the press box. Right. Well, yeah. Right. I could actually enjoy the ambiance of the. Actually, I wouldn't enjoy the ambiance because I wear earplugs. <laughs> it's so loud. Um, and, and, wait, wait. Could you imagine the glass in front of the press box if it wasn't there? Oh my god. Well, because the fans in front of the press box spend half the game banging on the. It's like, what do you? Turn around, watch the game. Leave us alone. It is pretty funny, actually. We have funny. we have nothing to do with it, with whatever has just happened, positive or negative. We have nothing to do with it. We're just documenting what positive or negative uh, thing that may have uh, happened on the field. But anyway, I so I will never criticize fans for not being out in the elements and not braving the elements and things like that. Um, again, I'm the president of the Build the Damn Dome Coalition, and I I, I feel like it needs to happen. I think yesterday's game is a perfect example of that. You're in mid-December. You're in a playoff race. You're above 500. And you have fans that don't want to be in the elements. And I think that the Cleveland Browns need to recognize that you have an even better home field advantage when you have butts in the seats and not on the concourse or not in the clubs or not. You see what I'm saying? So Yeah, I, if you go back and watch the end of the game, though, I mean, it was uh, uh, majority of the people stayed. Chance. Yeah, but the people, people that stayed. were there stayed. I mean, it right. was they were a great crowd. I'm not gonna. I'm not oh, selling no, 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 that no. crowd I, at all. And again, I'm not. I'm not criticizing the crowd. Not not one bit. Again, as someone who sits in the press box where it's nice and comfortable, I am not going to criticize fans for not being out in the elements. I will criticize the Browns for dragging their ass and trying to get a dome built. It's it's time to kick that into gear. Doesn't the city have something to do with that too, though? Yeah, yeah, they got to find somewhere to build said dome. I understand that as well, and they also have to find some way to pay for the dome, but. Again, it's not my money. I don't care. Well, actually, it will be because taxpayer money will be used. But it's something that needs to. So my whole point, though, is that, um, you know, I, I can't speak for 
you know, whether or not it was a, I don't think it's a ticket sold problem. Um, I'm looking on the official box score here to see if they, yeah, I was looking to, and it's, I don't see it. Uh, they, yeah, they do paid attendance 67,919. And that is, that's a sellout crowd for Cleveland Brown saying that's a capacity crowd. So right. I, well, I'm guessing people were in the clubs, people were hiding under the concourses and, you know, shelter and things like that. And once again, what solves that problem is a dome. Um, but you mean a facility we can use more than 10 times a year? Yes. What? That's yes. silly. Absolutely. So uh, maybe get some final fours here, compete for a Super Bowl. I don't know. You a know, bowl it, game in Cleveland? I, I mean, there's no dome anywhere in the state of Ohio. Bengals don't have a dome. Columbus doesn't have a dome, right? So just saying. Um, but yeah, it's there are it, four it, or five it, colleges and high schools that have better indoor facilities than the Browns, too. Well, that's true, too. But the in, in their defense, they did spend millions of dollars to redo the practice fields and put systems under there. Daryl, just help me out with this one question. Why wouldn't they extend the indoor field house to 100 yards? I because just don't they want to practice outside. If they can, if they can, they want to practice outside. That's why they spent the money on the practice fields. So, but you're saying though that they keep it small so it forces them to go outside? No, they the preference is to practice outside. Now, one thing that they are going to do, I think, is at some point they got to get the weight room out of the indoor. And because mm -hmm. the current weight room is a recovery space now, uh, remember they had to move the weight room because of COVID into the indoor to, for social distancing. So then they said, well, instead of putting the weight room back, let's just use that open available space now for, you know, uh, for recovery, you know, the, the tubs and the chambers and all that stuff. And now what they have to do is they have to find somewhere to, to, to move the weight room again. And I'm guessing they'll have to add on, you know, have to add on to that facility. But right now, Zero plan to expand the indoor because, again, they invested millions of dollars to put systems under those practice fields so that they don't freeze over and they can be they can be used uh, into January and, Feb and hopefully February sometime. So that is the thinking there. And it's hard. Again, it's hard for me to. Yeah, criticize. but in February, in February, wouldn't you want the indoor at that point? Because that would mean that you're probably playing in a dome but the last week of the season. But it's about. You know, there's, a, I think, a toughness element there too. This is a tough football team this year, Andy. And this is the, I'm, I'm just, I'm, you listen. You ask the question. I give Why you do we care about the elements in February if you're playing in the Super Bowl and it's going to be in a dome or nice weather anyway? That's all I'm saying. It and does I sound think, I think silly. that's a good note to leave it on. The Browns playing in the Super Bowl. That is the perfect note to leave it on. All right. I have one other question. What are they doing with that extra space on the side? Just real quick. The side, you know what I'm saying? Where the dumpster is, where they built, where they bought all those houses. And the other side of the street, if they ever get the one house. Um, you with me on that? Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the neighborhood that the. Yeah. The, yeah. The, they, they've got some plans in the works. Oh, okay. Yeah. They, they, I mean, they, they didn't just buy it for it to sit there and be in an empty field. <laughs> so. Well. They, they, they've got some plans in the works. So. All right. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Meredith Kane, thank you, as always, for putting up with us for a half hour. We appreciate it. One more podcast coming later this week before the Browns take on the Texans. Texans, Browns. It's always game day, Cleveland. See ya.